For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Mary Slesser was a Scottish missionary. In 1873, she felt a call on her life uh, to go down to Nigeria and begin working uh, in a missions organization. Um, it was interesting at the time, Nigeria had, um, they had this practice of abandoning twin babies um, just out in the wilderness. Uh, they had this superstitious belief that when a woman had given birth to twins, that one of the twins was fathered by an evil spirit. And there was no way of telling uh, which was which. And so both twins, for the sake of, I guess, of the safety of the community, um, both twins were simply brought out into the wilderness and abandoned and left to die. Um, Mary Slesser caught wind of this practice and it, it broke her heart. Um, and she set about to make a difference. And so she began to, um, to rescue, uh, to scoop up these abandoned twins and to care for them. Um, even though the practice was, was, uh, it was against the, the, the rules of the missions agency, uh, and it was also against the, the laws of the land. Yet over the course of her life, Mary Slesser had an audacious faith, uh, and she rescued hundreds of twin babies um, in Nigeria. And her story resonates today um, as just this story of, of audacious faith in God and trusting Him and doing what is right, um, despite how it might look or what the consequences are. Um, and so um, she certainly is not alone in an audacious faith, and we're going to see uh, examples of that here in the text this morning. So we're in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Um, While he was saying these things, that's Jesus, to them, Behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. Um, this man was, we find out from other Gospels, his name was Jairus, uh, that he was a synagogue leader, and, and he's, he's bold and he's brazen. As, he, as His daughters just died, but he comes to Jesus and says, you can help, I know you can do something. And um, it's, It seems audacious, but, but as a dad, I also kind of get it. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Well, this woman um, had a uterine bleed. Um, and so ceremonially, this would have made her unclean. Um, in the Old Testament law, we see that women who were, it was a ceremonial thing, that women who were menstruating um, could not come in contact with another person or would make that person ceremonially unclean. Um, and so, for example, uh, you could not sit on a chair even that had been sat on by a woman who was in her period. And um, it was sort of one of the, these, these Old Testament formal ceremonial laws, um, a purity law. Um, funny story though, there was a man who wrote a book a number of years ago where he lived all of the Old Testament rules. Um, he tried to uh, he tried to live it all out for one year. And uh, um, if his wife was really frustrated or angry with him, um, if she was on her or if she was on her period, then she would go around the house and she would sit on every piece of furniture that day, and it meant that that he was stuck sitting on the floor or sleeping on the floor that day. Um, and we see about this woman that if she touched anyone or anyone's clothes, she rendered that person ceremonially unclean for the rest of the day. Because she rendered unclean anyone she touched, she could not have even been in this heavy crowd. Many teachers avoided touching women altogether in fear that they may accidentally be contaminated. Thus, she could not have been touched or touch anyone. She'd probably never married or was now divorced. This woman was an outcast. She was alone. The sheer act of walking through a crowd for her was a shameful 
act of defiance. And she risks making Jesus unclean as well by reaching out and touching him and risks perhaps making him really angry. Verse 21. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Um, She has this superstition in her motivation of maybe if I just touch his clothes. But Jesus says that it was her faith actually that brought her healing. Um, Verse 23. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, um, in this day you would hire actually people um, to mourn when someone had died. And so they would hire a band and they would hire professional mourners, wailers who would yell and they would scream. Um, so this was going on all, all around Jairus' house. He said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had put out aside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And reported report of this went all through that district. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that uh, we have... Uh, habit of being uh, uh, performing chronological snobbery, as he calls it, meaning that we assume that people in the past were ignorant and naive and that we're far smarter and better than they are, this chronological snobbery. But we see even in this day um, that when Jesus says, get away, the girl's not dead, they laugh at him. They understand what's going on with this girl and they understand the people who have died stay dead was not an expectation. They didn't have a superstitious sort of um, maybe something could happen. They laughed at Jesus. They mocked him. But we see then Jesus performs this amazing miracle. Verse 27. And Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. Um, This is actually the first time uh, that someone else calls Jesus this messianic title, son of David, meaning the one that the one that is going to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament, the one who will sit on David's throne forever. Uh, and there's an irony here that it's blind men who are the ones who actually see Jesus for who he is. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, "Do you believe that I am able to do this?" They said to him, "Yes, Lord." Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Um, Jesus is trying to keep the crowds from, you know, sort of swelling into um, sort of a, this, this cacophony, into sort of a, a frenzy of excitement. So he says to them, Hey, don't, don't go tell anyone. Keep this to yourselves. He um, but but the, the men can't hold it in. They go out and they worship and they share with everyone what's happened. Um, and we see that there's, it really is fulfilling as well. We see in Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35, verses 3 to 7. Again, this idea of son of David, Jesus fulfilling the prophecies, where it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have anxious hearts, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So Jesus is again fulfilling through these miracles um, that, that he is this one that's been prophesied about in the Old Testament, opening the eyes of the blind and, and bringing healing. Um, as we see, uh, as we see these, these three characters, what I see in each of them is um, this audacity of faith. 
Uh, Jairus was a, a ruler in the synagogue, a leader in the synagogue. And so he was a prominent man in the community. And, and he's heard probably the plots of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how much they hate Jesus. In fact, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated each other. The only thing that actually brought them together was their hatred of Jesus. He risked being an outcast, being perhaps dismissed from his position. He was desperate. And he went to Jesus knowing that his peers were all going to sort of loathe him for it. And so there's an audacity to his faith in spite of the people that he's around and the way that it's viewed. Uh, the woman who's got the bleed, she risks social scorn and she risks angering the entire crowd. She risks interfering with people's plans. Uh, if people find out that she had sort of been in the crowd and touched them, if they had plans to go to the temple or do something ceremonially, they would be unclean and wouldn't be able to. Um, she risked angering Jesus. It'd be like um, going into a grocery store um, with a, a raging case of COVID and coughing all over the place. Um, it's not a great way to earn points in the community. But yet she risked all of that to, with this desperate, aud audacious faith that Jesus could heal her. I mean, even, even afraid that Jesus was going to turn around and rebuke her, be angry at her for this. And the blind men were wandering around aimlessly, shouting in every direction, um, probably getting scorn from the crowds, making a fool of themselves. Maybe, maybe they didn't even know if Jesus was in earshot. But they were just yelling out, Jesus, son of David, heal us making absolute fools of themselves and maybe afraid that they were annoying Jesus. But they were the ones making the bold claim that even the disciples hadn't connected yet. He's the one. Again, they're desperate. And so whether it's Mary Slesser or, 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 or these three stories, we see that there's this audacious faith which comes to reality. And so what do we believe that God can do in our lives, through our lives? What do we believe that God can do in our families, in our relationships, in our communities, in our jobs, with our friends? Do we have an audacious faith that God can do abundantly more than we ask or imagine? Do we have this kind of audacious faith or do we limit and cap what we think God can do? And so the challenge for this morning, the encouragement for you this morning is um, to pray a bold prayer, to think big, to dream. What could God do? Maybe if I gave him the space, if I made myself available to him, what could God do in these areas, in these circumstances, in these relationships? And perhaps begin to pray boldly with audacity and see what happens. We see that, that Jesus rewards great faith and loves it. So, challenge for today. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these three stories. Uh, I thank you for your faithfulness to them. I thank you for these examples of audacious faith, putting themselves out there and trusting you and seeing you answer those prayers. And Father, we pray that you would give us that faith. Give us a bold faith to pray big prayers to give you the opportunity to do what only you can do. Give us the courage and the faith to do that. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, hope you have a great rest of the day. Talk again soon.